Good morning, Faith family. It's great to see you. You have blessed my heart this morning. I want you to know what a great time of worship we've had. I don't know if you ever do this, but you just stop, take a break from singing, you just listen. The voice is being raised in this room to our God. It's just awesome. What, what an incredible time, a gift that God has given us to be together and worship Him. That's totally free. I just had to share that. If you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2, as that's where we're going to be this morning. And uh, you could also look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. We have uh, started a series called our Vision Series. Uh, so if you're kind of plopping in here this morning, we're glad that you're here and we're building a framework for what our faith family is all about. If you know anything about building anything, you know that you always start with a foundation. You don't just put a window in the air. You have to have a frame and a foundation from which to build. And so that's really what we're doing. We have all kinds of ministry strategies and goals that we'll lay out in the coming months as a faith family, but we need that foundation built of what we're about so that we can build from that. We started with our purpose, that we exist to see our lives, our community, and our world transformed by the power of the gospel. And then we ask how. How, how does that look like? What does that process look like? And we said the clearest example would be Acts chapter 2 of a community of faith where lives and a community, and just read the rest of the book, literally the world gets impacted and transformed with the gospel. And so uh, we started there last week, and I want us to pick back up there here in Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42, as we continue building this framework of vision. If you're able to stand, I will encourage you to do so for the honor of reading the very words of our God. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their home, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is God's Word. Would you pray with me? God, we pause now to ask that You in Your grace would meet us here. Holy Spirit, come and teach us. Help us be revived in our hunger for God. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There were 16 messages on Naomi's old answering machine. A few of them were from her friends, a few were from some co-workers, but there were three that she would listen to over and over and over again. And every time that she would listen to those messages, she was always careful every time not to hit delete. Now, if you would have listened to those messages, you would not have thought they were anything significant. One of the messages was about the weather. 
Another was about the delivery of a care package. The other one was simply wishing Naomi a Merry Christmas. But for her, it wasn't just about the messages. It was who those messages were from. You see, those messages were from her father. A father that she lost to cancer just a few months earlier. And even though she doesn't even have a landline anymore, she, like most of us, just uses her cell phone. She keeps that old answering machine to listen to those messages over and over. She said, sometimes people will come to my house and they'll say, why don't you just get rid of that old thing? She said, I tell them, not a chance. That's the voice of my father. I bet there's a lot of us that can relate to that kind of a thing, can't we? It's probably not an answering machine, but it's, it's those letters that you've kept from your spouse from when you were dating. It's those emails that you've kept from a loved one that was stationed overseas. It's that photograph that you keep in your wallet or purse of a loved one who's passed. For me, it's these old sermon manuscripts of my grandfather's. I love these things. I keep them in my office. I can't make sense out of most of it. If anything, it shows me where I got my bad handwriting. And while I wouldn't be able to get a nickel on eBay for these, they are priceless to me. Why? Because these are not just words. They are the very words of someone we love. And beloved, if that is true for photographs and phone messages and emails, then why is it, myself included, that we are often so trivial when it comes to the very words of God? If we believe that the Bible is the Word of God, and can I just say that we here at this family believe the Bible is the Word of God? If we believe that, then, then wouldn't you also agree that these words demand our full and complete devotion? That's exactly what's happening in Acts 2, isn't it? Luke tells us here they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, verse 42. That is, they were devoted to the Word of God. Now, why can I say that? Because the New Testament is the apostolic witness of the redemptive story of Christ. They were devoted to the Word of God, to the apostles' teachings. You see, Luke tells us here that this group of Christians heard the gospel that Jesus had died for sins, but God raised him up on the third day. And they believed in that, and they repented of their sins, and they identified themselves with Jesus through baptism, and they devoted themselves to the Word. For us here at this faith family, it is not only gathering for worship, but a commitment to growth in the very Word of God. Gospel transformation, how? By gathering 
and growing. That's exactly what Acts 2 shows us. Now, you need to understand, this is not just a group of people that get their jollies from a good sermon. It wasn't just reserved for the leaders. It wasn't just those who liked to study apologetics. It wasn't just those who valued a good education. Verse 41 says, those who received His Word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls, and they, who's they? All 3,000. All 3,000 devoted themselves to God's Word with a passion. That word devoted literally means steadfastly continuing. It is a, a passionate, intense word. In fact, my challenge is like, how do I grab you and bring you in to the intensity of this text? So I want you to think with me. There's been an outbreak of a deadly disease in Minnesota, and you're concerned about your family. You would be concerned about your family, right? Most of them. <laughs> what would you do as you're concerned about your children, your spouse, your brothers and sisters? Here's what you would do. You would learn everything that you could learn about the disease You'd learn everything that you could learn in how to prevent the disease, and you'd learn everything that you could learn in how to care for those who have the disease. In other words, you would devote yourself to it. It would consume you. Why? Because your life depended on it. And I would submit to you that our spiritual lives depend on our growth in the Word. It's why the intensity of Acts 2 isn't just in Acts 2, it's in other places. Like, who is that one in Psalm 1, that, that tree that is planted by the streams of water, that is prospering, that's leaf does not wither in the seasons of life? It is the one whose delight is in the law of God and meditates on it day and night night. Joshua chapter 1, Joshua is about to become the leader replacing Moses. Do not let the Word of God depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. Why? So that you will not depart from it. Job in Job chapter 23, when he is living hell, suffering like you can't even imagine, says, I have treasured his words more than my portion of food. That's hunger. Do we have it? That's really convicting. I hope you don't be like, well, he's a pastor. He's in a different category. I read Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves, they devoted themselves steadfastly continuing in the Word of God, and it cuts. Why? Why should we devote ourselves to the Word like we see in Acts chapter 2 and other places? Um, I want to give you three reasons, and they'll be very quick. You believe me, right? But what I want us to do is I want to show you why the Word is important by showing you what the Word is and what it does. 
in 2 Timothy 3. So if you'll turn over there, and let me give you three reasons why we individually and we as a faith family should devote steadfast continuing in the Word of God and why gospel transformation depends on it. The first is this. All right, faith family, the Scriptures, the Word of God, has everything to do with salvation. If we're going to be like, if we want to see lives transformed by the power of the gospel, then we've got to be committed and devoted to the gospel, to the Word of God. This is how Paul says it to Timothy in verse 15. How from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, the Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for what? Salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. In other words, the Word of God brings life. Anybody with me this morning? These aren't dead words. They, they, they breathe life. Why is it? Because they're not just words. They're the creator of life's words. And therefore, like Hebrew says, the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts. These are life-giving words. This is why I know this about you right here. If you're here this morning and you would say, I am a Christ follower, I have trusted in Christ, here's what I know about you. At some point in your life, you have encountered the message of Jesus and believed it. You didn't just one day wake up, walk outside, and go, oh, look at those pretty clouds. I surrender to Jesus. <laughs> the heavens declare the glory of God, yes, but you need special revelation or specific revelation about Christ. And when you encounter that, maybe it's through a sermon. Maybe you just picked up the Bible and you read it like Augustine. Maybe, maybe you were at Starbucks and a friend shared with you the Word and gave testimony to Christ and you believed. Can I just stop, like pull to the side of the road for a moment and say, if that's you, could you just give God praise this morning? You don't even have to do it out loud, but like in your heart say, God, amazed by your grace that somebody brought to me the very word and message of Christ, and by your grace I believed. The word brings salvation. That's what Peter says, 1 Peter 1, 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable. Here it is, you ready? Through what? The living and abiding Word of God. You've been born again, how? Through the living and abiding Word of God. Romans 10, 14 through 17. And how will they call on Him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe of whom they've never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? Right here, that doesn't mean you have to be a preacher. It is a herald of the Word. It is somebody who proclaims, who speaks the good news of Jesus. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And here's the phrase, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. It's why Jesus says, he who hears my Word 
and believes has eternal life. And I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying there are some of you in this room right now who that will happen to you. I am sowing seed. I'm throwing them all the way to there to the back if I can get back there. And the seed is going out and the word is being shared, this good news of Jesus Christ and how you can be right with God. And this morning, when you encounter that word by faith, you are born anew. You've known the Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. But listen, it's not just that So track with me. It's not just that the Scriptures have a role in saving us, but once we have that relationship with God, the Scriptures become the passionate focus of our faith. Now you say, we don't worship a book. No, we don't worship a book. We worship the person to whom this book is about. But we got to have this book if we're going to know who He is. You see? Him we proclaim, it's Christ I'm proclaiming, but what Christ? The Christ revealed in the Word. And so when, when we've tasted of that and we know Him by faith, we want to know Him more, which leads us more to the Word. Do you see? Or listen to how Peter describes it in uh, 1 Peter 2, 1-3. through Put away all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Put those things away because they're going to get in the way of something. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may uh grow up into salvation, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. All right, now Peter uses the metaphor here of milk. He's not using it like Paul and the writer of Hebrews uses it. They use it as a sign of immaturity. You know, you're on milk, you ought to be on solid food. You know that? It's not how Peter's using it here. Peter is sticking with the metaphor of what newborn infants crave. And how do newborn infants crave milk? It looks a little something like this. (laughs) Or if you prefer this. Oh, yeah. But here's what they don't do. I've never, ever, ever, have you ever seen an infant say, mom, dad, take your time. I'm just going to hang out in the crib here. I got nothing else to do. I'll just chill and you take your precious time. I'm in no hurry to eat. You laugh because you know that a natural sign that the baby is alive is a passionate craving to be fed. Which means, if you've lost your hunger for God through the Word of God, you either do not have faith or something has gone wrong in your faith. And you know what I'm praying for you? I'm praying what's going to happen to you is what happened to a guy last night in our Saturday night service who just said, you know what? I need to rededicate my life and I am asking that God would bring renewal in my life for a hunger for Him through the Word. 
why must we be devoted to the Word of God? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching because it has everything to do with our salvation. Here's the second reason. The Scriptures have everything to do with the revelation of God. Or, you might say, how we know Him. Look at verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God. I'm going to give you something really profound. Do you know why we call this the Word of God? Because we believe these are the words of God. It's deep, deep. I'm going to write that down. That was really insightful. I believe, faith family, with every ounce in my body that these words are the very words of God carried along by the Spirit over many years and many authors, a supernatural work of God that reveals who He is. I believe that as sure as I am standing here. Not because I rationalized my way to it, though there are all kinds of rational arguments to believe that, but I have seen through the eyes of faith that this is a supernatural work of God that reveals Him. We need to be devoted to the Word in order for us to know Him. And can I just again pull to the side of the road and say, we talk about grace here. Is this not, is this not a gift? God could have said to you, good luck. You're over there. I'm over here because of your sin that's caused separation from us. And what I'm going to do is just wish you the best in trying to figure out who I am. Oh, no, our God of amazing grace did not say that. Our God said, not only am I going to come to you in the Word, the Word became flesh. I'm actually going to give to you a Word, my very words, breathed out by me so that you can know me. Anybody want to just stop this morning and say, praise God, He has revealed Himself. Like we, we don't have to go through life just like, well, who is God? And I guess I'll trust my neighbor and I'll believe whatever my pastor says. Although he's a pretty cool guy. <laughs> These words are God-breathed. Man, what a gift. A revelation. And in, in, in fact, Peter says this, no prophecy has ever been produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's what we believe. Now, here's what I mean by these being the very words of God and why that matters. I'm pressing that point this morning because of this. Your belief about the Word of God really isn't so much about your doctrinal statement. And I love doctrinal statements. Our belief in the Word of God is about our personal usage. You can say, I believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. I believe in the, the authority of God's Word. And I'm going to write that 150 times on the walls of this church. I don't give a hoot if it doesn't mean anything in your life. You see, I'm all about, listen, I understand that to devote ourselves to the Word the way they were doing in Acts 2 takes discipline. Yes. But discipline ought not be our motivation. 
our motivation, if these are the very words of God, should be love. You say, I'm going I'm I'm to go home, I'm going to memorize a verse tomorrow. Well, good for you. I'm going to memorize a whole chapter of the Bible. I'm going to go to Bible study after Bible study. And all that stuff is awesome, and I want you to do that. And that could be some very helpful practical application. But if you're doing that only out of discipline, it may not last till next week. But when it's motivated by grace, when it's motivated by love, when your passion for God is big to the point that you want to pursue Him through His Word, that will take you home. These are His words. And if they are His words, we should devote ourselves to them. And some will say, but I'm not much of a reader. To which I say, if somebody that you love sent you an email, and even a long email, you'd sit there and read every word of it. If you say, but I'm just not much of a studier. If there was a job you really, really wanted, or a grade you really, really wanted, what would you do? You would study. You would be motivated. Why? Because you wanted it. Somebody will say, but I just don't have a lot of time. If your best, best, best friend from high school or college came into town and said, hey, I just want to grab coffee with you, you would rearrange your schedule to meet with them. What's the point? If we believe these are God's words and we love God, we will be devoted to this book because we want to hear from Him. We want to know Him more. It's like that scene in Chronicles of Narnia where Lucy, who represents man, and Aslan, who represents Christ, they have been separated for about a year, and then there comes that moment where they reconnect. And Lucy runs up to Aslan, and she hugs his neck, and she embraces him, and then she steps back. And she says, you're bigger And he says, I'm not bigger. You're older. And she said, are you sure you're not bigger? And he says, I'm not bigger. But every year you grow older, I seem bigger. There is some gray hair in this room. There is some no hair in this room. (laughs) There is somewhere in between in this room. But there are some of you in this room who have known Jesus for a long time. Has he gotten bigger? I know he hasn't actually gotten bigger. But has your passion for him, has your love for him, has your view of him One of my prayers is, God, destroy my view of you and then build it up bigger. And then destroy it again and build it up bigger. And then destroy it again and build it up bigger. And they devoted themselves to the Word of God. It is not just salvation 
and revelation, but finally it is, and this really gets to the heart of our vision, transformation. Keep reading. All Scripture is breathed out by God. It is His revelation. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In other words, the Word of God when it brings us into a saving relationship, becomes the object of our passion because it reveals a person, they are, after all, His words, it changes us. It works in us. Now, now listen, here's what you got to understand about transformation. If you don't get anything else this morning, get this. Transformation is not you mastering the Word. I know all about the order of Melchizedek. <laughs> I have memorized the Psalms in Hebrew. <laughs> Transformation is not you mastering the Word, it's the Word mastering you. It's when these very life-breathed words come into your life and change you. In fact, I jotted a few things. They change what we know. It changes how we live. It changes our priorities. It changes our attitudes. It changes how we think. It changes what we enjoy. It changes our relationships. It changes our work ethic. It changes everything. It does. In a good way. Not in a easy way, but in a good way. In fact, I thought about, do I give you like a list of what this looks like? And then I thought, why should I give you a list? The Bible already does. The fruit of the Spirit is love. How you doing there? Some of you are like, don't go any further. Just stop at love. I know what's next. And joy and peace and patience. We could go on and on. There's a lot of room for work in our lives, isn't there? then devote yourself to the Word, knowing this, that he who began a good work in you, he's going to complete it through the Word and through the Spirit as they work together to change and transform us into the image of Christ. We learn. Notice the list again. It's profitable for teaching. There ought to be some things that you're learning about the Word and about Christ. Reproof, that is, it... it addresses issues in your life. Uh, correction, training for righteousness, these are all the things that the Word of God does. It transforms. It is, by the way, why I preach the way I preach. Some of you, because you do hear feedback, you know, you hear through the grapevine, you know, um, and most of you have said, I really appreciate how here we don't sugarcoat things. Like, we're very honest and in your face, and we're not here to play patty cake. And there are probably days where we're like, just a little sugar, you know, just a, just a little sugar, water a little bit. All cards on the table. What this thing is about, dear friends, is conformity to the image of Christ. Which means confrontation is a grace of God. And so is encouragement. And so is equipping. These are gifts of God to conform us to Christ. And we need to celebrate and rejoice in that. Um, I love this account of a man who got to experience George Whitfield preach. And this is the 1700s. Listen to his account 
at what happened as he encountered the Word of God. About eight or nine in the morning, there came a messenger who said, Mr. Whitfield is preaching in Middletown at 10. I was in the field working. So I dropped my tool, I ran home, I made my wife get ready to go hear Mr. Whitfield in Middletown, and I ran to my horse with all my might, fearing that I should be late. It sounds like your Sunday morning, I know, I know. (laughs) I headed out with my wife as fast as I thought my horse could bear, and once I got to high ground, I noticed a cloud or fog rising which I first thought was coming from the great river. I soon discovered that this cloud of dust was being made by the running of horses. When I got to the meeting, there was a multitude of three or 4,000 people assembled. I looked to the great river and noticed boats bringing more. The banks looked black with men and horses. When I saw Mr. Whitfield come upon the scaffold, he looked almost angelic. And he preached before the people with an authority as of from God. And my hearing him preach gave me a heart wound. And my old foundation was broken. And I saw that my righteousness would not save me. Praise God for heart wounds. Because it is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for the training in righteousness. To what end? And we'll close. That we might be complete, mature. And isn't this what the early church in Acts 2 needed? Read the rest of the book. Do you know what they are going to face in the months and years to come? Do you have any idea what we may face? I'm talking us. In the next 10 years, There's no telling what we may face in our culture. The early church faced threats and persecutions. Some of them were even killed for their faith. But they devoted themselves to the Word of God because immaturity is a scary place to be. And it breaks my heart with no I pray arrogance at all in my heart of the churches in America who are not preaching the Word. They are playing games and they are not equipped to handle what we may have to face, but the early church was able to face it. Why? They grew up in their devotion to the Word. As Paul says to the church in Ephesus, you must attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Why? So that you will no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves. Because in a world where the gospel is always under attack, where what people call truth is always changing. The last thing the people of God can afford to be is unstable, easily manipulated, and tossed 
around like a ship at sea. So he's given us his word. And they devoted themselves to it. Why? Because it has everything to do with our salvation. Because it has everything to do with the revelation of who God is. Because it has everything to do with our transformation into the image of Christ. So we exist to see our lives and our community and our world transformed by the power of the gospel. Amen? How? Through the gathering for worship and through growth in the Word. Brace yourself. They will tell us that's irrelevant. Brace yourself. You will be tempted by your enemy. You don't have time for that. Brace yourself. They will walk in here and they will say, That old thing? Why don't you just put that aside? But we will say what Naomi said. Not a chance. This is the voice of my father. Let's pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. There are some of you here this morning that you need to believe for the first time. You have heard the message of Christ. The good news of how you can have a relationship with God. This morning, would you believe? Would you believe? Surrender your life by faith to Him. There are others of you in this room, your heart has come calloused. When you think about the craving of a young child for milk, it convicts you. Because you know that your hunger has diminished. Pray right now for the Spirit of God to renew you. To pour in you a passion you can't self-create. Oh God, come and do this work in us. Do this work in us individually. Do this work in us as families. Do this work in us as a faith family. There are winds and waves blowing strong outside this room. So give us a passion for you that leads to a devotion to your word that we might stand. In Jesus' name and for his glory, amen.